Hey guys, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike, and thank you for joining me for this very special episode of Amateur Altours. You can follow us on Twitter at AltoursPod, email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at theamateuraltourspodcast at gmail.com. It would also mean a lot to both Brian and I if you could take a moment out of your busy day and leave a review or rating on whatever platform you listen to the show on. The feedback is much appreciated. So guys, this week I'm extremely excited for this particular episode because I have another guest for you all. My guest is the co-host and co-founder of the Filmstrip podcast, and with over 100 episodes on their docket, there's certainly a lot of material to listen to. Now, I've been a fan of his work since 2014. I'm extremely excited and pleased and honored to have him on my show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jay Skipworth to the show. Jay, thank you so much for agreeing to come on and talk with me today. Mike, thanks so much for having me, and I am really flattered that you've been listening to uh, Filmstrip that long. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and for those who may be listening are not really aware of who you are, what your show is, why don't you give a brief introduction to yourself and your show? Okay, so I, as you said, I'm a co-host and co-producer of a show called The Film Strip Podcast, and we've been around since actually 2010, and we took a year off in 2018 up until uh, right around Memorial Day 2019 and have sort of relaunched the show now. And there's 170 episodes uh, in our archive. If you search Filmstrip Podcast on your podcatcher or go to filmstrippodcast.com, you'll see all the different kinds of movies that me and my co-producer Brian and then our co-host Nick and Ron have reviewed and Kurt through the years. And, I mean, all kinds of stuff, man. We do a lot of genre flicks. We do some classy stuff like you know, Kubrick films. Just anything that you know one of us is interested in or any series that one of us is interested in, we'll watch the movie and then you know go through it, a review just like you know a million another movie podcast but i think the thing that makes ours different is we try to keep the show very light and fun and just like some guys sitting around talking about movies and that's what we love to do and so uh, that's that's the film strip podcast yeah and i i feel like i've been listening for so long i i, I know film strip more as continuous play and i've looked up uh, film strip as continuous play but now it's it's more film strip and that just kind of gives some perspective on how long I've been listening and one of the things you mentioned why I really enjoy the show is is kind of this camaraderie and just it's just it's just guys talking sitting around a round table talking about movies and and so getting into this episode Jay you are the fourth special guest appear on the show and I wanted to tell you on air for the first time the first time meeting you how much your show means to me and the impact it has had on myself and amateur all tours. So if you'll indulge me a little bit, I, I want to tell you a little story about how your show has affected me personally. So like I mentioned, I got into the podcast around my senior year of high school in 2014. And now as you and the audience know, the podcasting network is so massive and can be a little bit overwhelming to the uninitiated. And because there's just so much content available on whatever topic you can think of, it can be difficult to figure out where to begin. So back in 2014, I tried focusing on the movie podcast because I was really into film then. And I tried to, well, I tried the major podcasts and and the most popular ones, and I I didn't really like the style of most of them. I thought it was just an echo chamber of just whatever popular films were around. So I figured I would try something different. I would look up the most quote-unquote obscure films that I didn't think many people were talking about because in my mind that's those are the films I wanted to listen to in those perspectives so 
so I tried this out and the results came back and I found two initial podcasts with this searching method. The first was Now Playing Podcast, a, a very popular movie podcast with a scanner darkly. And I still listen to them to this day. But the second one was your show. And I found you guys by looking up Stephen King's It. And it was your two-part retrospective series. And Jay, I, I gotta say, after listening to those episodes, I was hooked immediately. It was... It's also worth mentioning that I worked as a farmhand for roughly four or five summers, and it, that mostly consisted of landscaping and maintaining a thousand-acre farm in southern Maryland. So we had some long days in the heat of just cutting grass, you know, picking some crops, but mostly just doing really menial work. And your show was one of those on my docket that got me through some of those long days of just in the heat. And... And my, and my personal favorites off the top of my head from your show are those of the Blair Witch, the It Retrospective, as well as like the Stephen King series that you guys have had, and the Star Wars Retrospective. I, and I still even remember listening to that in college leading up to like The Force Awakens. But with all this being said, Jay, your podcast has also inspired the creation of this, shows in, or this show in more ways than you would think. This show wasn't started until the summer of 2015 and it was really your show that helped both lay the blueprint for amateur all tours but also helped ignite the fire to push brian and i to sit down and actually start the show so jay amateur all tours is eternally grateful to film strip so if nothing else i wanted to know i wanted you to know that your show has impacted my life in a pro profound way because of you know, creating this podcast and all the people I've been able to meet through this and just having fun with movies in, in a completely different way. And I, and I just wanted you to know that before we started our conversation. Oh, Mike, I am just sitting over here, like, blushing like crazy right now. I'm so humbled to hear that, man. That is that is awesome. Uh, I'm going to blow your mind here for a minute. You said you found Now Playing and A Scanner Darkly was the show. Um, I got into podcasting because I was the first outside editor for Now Playing, and the Philip K. Dick series was the last series I edited for them, but I worked for them <laughs> from late 2008 uh, till right up to the beginning of 2010, and I think the shows I worked on went out through you know late 2010 and through 2011. Um, so I, you know, Arnie, uh, taught me how to edit uh, podcasts <laughs> in a lot of ways. And, um, to tell the, the longer story, you mentioned we used to be under the continuous play umbrella. When I started this, uh, with, uh, my, my co-host Brian, we started as a, a two podcast series. He and I wanted to do a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective because we were looking for a good Buffy podcast and couldn't find one that we both liked. So we decided to do our own, right? And then I wanted to do a movie review podcast. And I had changed jobs and stuff, so that's why I had left Gonza Media and now playing. And I kind of knew what I wanted to do. And so we started every, we had film strip and then we had um, the art of slaying the Buffy podcast. And we just sort of put them under one big umbrella called continuous play podcast, which I had come up with before I worked for now playing, which is again, one of the, one of the worst ideas I ever had was to have a, a umbrella name and then like two separate podcast names. I'll forever regret that, but have since fixed it by just <laughs> dropping the continuous play part. And now we're, we're, we're just film strip podcasts, but um, man, that's awesome to hear the, the it thing that you're talking about. The, that was Nick's idea to do Stephen King but he said we can't do every King film because one there's too many of them and second most of them are horrible and he's not wrong <laughs> and so we did what we called the selected works of Stephen King where he picked five and then I picked five and we kind of rolled the dice and went with them and we've since picked up the newer it and I think we're going to do the, the chapter two later this year when it comes out and uh, and such but yeah I you know I we started this by doing a Buffy podcast and then having a movie podcast because I was more the movie guy Brian watches movies and stuff but not as much as I do and so 
that was my kind of brainchild was I wanted to do the movie podcast and then we just do the Buffy podcast on the side. And as it turned out, the Buffy podcast was the really popular thing for us. The art of slaying was, was a really cool podcast. We met a great community. Uh, we ran that thing from 2011 to 2014 when we finished it. And uh, it, I mean, it was still rated high on iTunes list of Buffy podcasts for years after we finished it. I mean, we finished that show five years ago now. And uh, people find it all the time and still, you know, contact us or meet us or say something about it, which is really cool. But now I got into podcasting, man, because I just wanted to, you know, talk movies with some some friends. And the funny thing is all of my co-hosts and stuff, none of us have ever even been in the same room uh, to record with. We're all scattered across the USA. For years, I lived in Alabama. I now live in North Carolina. Nick lived in Wisconsin. Now he lives in North Carolina, about an hour from where I live. Um, Brian lives in Minnesota. Ron lives in Louisville, Kentucky, and Kurt's in Canada. Uh, so I mean, you know, we've never. Some of us aren't even the same time zones usually. So it's it's been fun to put that together through the years. But uh, I'm fortunate in that um, I surrounded myself with a group of guys that one I got along with, and I I, I met all of them one way or another talking about movies and stuff on the internet through Facebook groups or Twitter or whatever it might be. And we just all had camaraderie there. And I thought, well, that, you know, that'll probably translate onto a microphone. Sure. And so we, you know, we started it up and as it turned out, it worked. And we've had some people on and off the show that, eh, you know, it worked or it didn't work, you know, as well. Uh, but uh, the guys that I do the show with on, on a regular basis, we just have a good rapport. And, you know, we, we like talking about uh, usually really goofy, bad movies uh, together. <laughs> and uh, I'm with you, man. There's, I mean, there's a billion movie podcasts. I mean, I, I listen to a, a number of them still to this day. And I, I, one thing that I'm proud of Filmstrip for is that very rarely have we ever chased the thing that's like big in the theaters right now. Like every now and then we'll do something like that. Like Star Wars, we, we picked up on when those came back. and But we did the Star Wars retrospective a year before the new one even came around. Um, just because we wanted to do them, you know, it, it had it hadn't been like ten years, and we decided, yeah, let's do those. And uh, and it was also because like everybody was scared, like you don't want to do that because you'll attract the you know the hordes of internet hate. And I was like, no, if you're just honest about your opinion, I don't think that really happens. <laughs> and uh, I was incredibly wrong about that, Mike. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it, because we got a lot of weird feedback for that, but you know, we had a lot of fun doing it, and I think that's that's the fun part. And um, you know, we just try to do things that we're interested in. I mean. I, We've reviewed stuff. There are there are lost episodes of the show uh, where uh, you know either both of us were way too into it, so we weren't being critical about it, or we were so both not into it that there was just no show there. Um, and if you if you can find it, I mean, you can see the old continuous play archives. There's probably like 250 episodes of the show, and when we relaunched this year, Brian and I cut it down to what we thought were like the 170 best shows um, of all of them that we did. And so that's what's out there now for, for people to check out. And like I said, you know, kicking off in Memorial Day, we're coming back and uh, we're going to be every two weeks talking about different movies. And we've got got a heck of a lineup to go through the end of 2018 with. Hmm. Yeah, and, and I'm I mean, there's a few things I want to say. First off, I mean, yeah, I'm extremely excited that you guys are back because I remember there was a point when the iTunes because that's primarily how I listen to all my uh, podcasts is through iTunes and when I couldn't download some of the episodes, I was like, oh no, something happened. I don't know what's going on. Is it me? But then I figured, oh, it's, I think it's just um, like maybe you guys took it off iTunes. I, went, I would go on to your, uh, and I, and I kind of knew you guys were taking a hiatus a little bit. So I was like, oh no, like I can't listen to the continuous play. But now that you guys are back, I, I re-downloaded all my favorite episodes, the newer ones that I haven't heard. So I'm excited about that. And another thing you said that I'm, I'm still 
my mind is still blown that you used to edit for now playing. And I think it's just, you know, coming full circle and it's a small world that, you know, one of the shows that got me into now playing is what you edited. And then I, I found you soon after that, that just blows my mind. I, I know with, when I had uh, Dana Buckler, who you were just on his, one of his most recent episodes with the um, 20th Century Movie Club, I, I, I had him on, I had a very similar structure, you know, part one, discuss, like talking with him, part two, we'll get to the movies, but we had a very similar conversation, because for him, because I found him, you predate Dana Buckler for me, which is funny, because I found him in 2015, and for him it was Jaws the Revenge, and, and I remember we... we um, I think he found some of his favorite podcasts by doing the exact same method, and it was Jaws of Revenge. So it's just like kind of those coincidences are really what <laughs> would blow my mind and what really I love talking about people. And so this kind of gets into this show, and like like I've, I've been doing special guests every now and again. I've been just trying to get as many people, many different content creators on. And the way I've been doing it is breaking these episodes down into two parts, as I've been mentioning. Part one is a conversation about getting to know you as a person and a content creator. And then part two is more of a focused film discussion. And I've done this with Chris Foster, an independent filmmaker, like first guest of Amateur All Tours, uh, Jim Hemphill, Dana Buckler, and then you. I have another guy hopefully coming on next week, uh, a teacher in L.A. that we can have some interesting perspectives. But... So I, I do have some general questions to kind of lead the conversation, but it's more of a stream of consciousness. So one of the things is I'm always fascinated by stories, and I think it's why I'm so attracted to film and cinema in general. On the one hand, I love these grand and epic stories, but I also really enjoy the personalized and smaller stories that is life, that makes up life. And whenever I meet someone new, whether it's like from the podcast or just in life, I'm really intrigued about the sequence of events that led us to our meeting at this or that particular moment. And now, full disclosure, I'm, a, I'm 23, uh, I, and I just love gaining perspective from different people, whether they're older or younger than myself. So with that in mind, Jay, let's, let's start this conversation. Let's go way, way back, and let's just tell us about yourself as a young man, and, and more specifically, where did this fascination with film stem from? Oh, man. Uh, I told part of this story on the first episode of the Halloween retrospective that Filmstrip has that Brian and I did, the first movie, Halloween. It's a big one for me. And it's a big one for me because as a kid, and I won't retell the whole thing here, but as a kid, I was involved in, in a small car accident and you know had to do a lot of recovery. And I had to do uh, this test you do where you stay up all night. I think it's called an EEG. Uh, and you stay up all night and then you, you know they test you in the morning sort of cold, but you, you can't eat anything after midnight, but you have to stay awake. And for a nine-year-old kid, that is impossible to do because um, I was the kid who liked to sleep. Um, I, and then somehow in my 20s, I totally forgot how, but up until that point, I liked to sleep. And so my parents, the only thing they could figure out to do was to rent movies to try to keep me awake. And my dad rented Halloween and A Nightmare on Elm Street from the local video store because the guy told him, he said, well, that'll probably keep me awake. And what got me is that it didn't scare me. It, I just got so intrigued by how this was being made. And I didn't even know what any of that meant at the time. But I was fascinated by camera angles and lights and how music worked in it and I just you know I, I've just grown up with movies one of my very first memories even going back before that was going to see Coal Miner's Daughter the the Sissy Spacek um Little Red Lynn biopic in a drive-in theater with my parents in the back of their station wagon me my brother my mom and dad going to see this thing which if you've seen that movie by the way it's a lot of harsh stuff in it like you let a six-year-old watch that but whatever you know I had, I had fun I had interesting parents um and so and they would let me watch stuff 
too. And they watched a lot of cool stuff. So it, like for me, it all started as a kid is I just watched a lot of stuff. And uh, I was either doing one of two things when I was growing up and wasn't in school. I was either outside riding my bike or running around through the woods or at night I was inside watching something. And I was usually watching, you know, a movie on television or, you know, when we'd have those, uh, free HBO or Showtime weekends or whatever. And then the local video store again became kind of a place I hung out and uh, the guy knew me and he would just let me rent whatever. And so I, you know, I would save my money and rent stuff. And I just got into, I got into movies at a young age and um, I used to honestly, like when I got to um, the age where I could kind of be on my own doing stuff in the neighborhood or whatever, all the kids like left my neighborhood. So I was just alone by myself a lot. And my older brother uh, was you know, in high school and then gone to college. And so it was just me with a lot of time on my hands. So I would watch movies and then I would just ride around thinking about them in my head, like what I would tell someone about them. And then I would see something on the weekend and go to school the next day. And like me and my friends in homeroom would sit around and basically do what would nowadays be a podcast of just talking about what we saw that weekend. And I think about that now and laugh about it because I'm like, well, I've been doing this for, you know, so much of my life now, uh, but I just didn't know what it was at the time. So yeah, I mean, I got, in, I, yeah, I got into yeah. that early. And then uh, for me in high school is when I got into music in a big way. And this is how uh, Brian on my show and I met, it was through a music connection, but I, I got into music in a huge way. And I kind of put movies to the side for about 10 or 12 years of my life. And I, I mean, I would watch stuff, but I really just played music like forever and then got to the point where I felt like I'd done all I wanted to do with that. And I got back into movies and film. And at that point, I was an adult and I was starting a career and all this. But I had I, I wasn't in school anymore. And I didn't realize like I actually had time on my hands when I got home from work. And I hadn't met my wife at the time, so I didn't have anything to do. And I was living in this middle of nowhere town in Alabama. So I rented and watched a lot of movies. And then when I met her, I found out she liked to do the same thing. So like, you know, one of our first dates, we went and saw a Saw movie, you know, which kind of tells you a lot about us. Uh, so we'd go do that and then, you know, watch a Disney movie at the same time. So it, I, it's always just been a part of what I do. I like to watch stuff and then think about it. And I like talking to people about it and hearing what they have to say, because I, I am certainly no expert. I have no formal training at all in cinema um, or, in, or in criticism. I mean, I had a journalism you know minor in college, but that didn't train you to do anything. And so, I mean, except, be, except be a journalist. And at that point, it was training you to be a journalist for a medium that is dead now. So <laughs> I, I didn't, you know, I didn't do that. And so I don't know. I've, I've always found it fun to discuss movies with people. And I, I you know, the, my favorite things, I mean, I have my favorite movies, but what I really like to do is watch something. And then no matter what level of movie it is, something from as cheesy as like the room or after last season, which is maybe the worst movie of all time. If you've heard our episode on it to something like a clockwork orange, I can have the same interesting conversation with somebody about it, it just to hear their perspective. So that's kind of why I dig this whole vibe. And Yeah, and, and so there's a few points. I Like you mentioned, just seeing these films when you were a kid and they didn't scare you. And that, that, that idea always fascinates me with, with young children seeing horror movies. And, and, I, and I think, I think uh, Nick, on your, on your show, your co-host, he's mentioned it with his kids that he's – uh, on your alien retrospective, he, he was talking about, oh, we just made a fort and we had Nerf guns and we shot the alien whenever it appeared on the screen. And I was like, that's awesome. And then, or like taking his kid to see uh, the first chapter of it. And I remember, and I just listened to this episode again and I, and I was reminded of this where his son had to go to the bathroom and he walked to the bathroom and he's smiling and everyone, or, and people are like, oh, it's, is he okay? Like, what's what's going on? But, and I, I'm just really fat, because I feel like with horror movies and little children, it could, 
really swing one way or the other in that there's they it doesn't scare them for some whatever reason it doesn't scare them or it absolutely terrifies them i don't think i was i mean my parents weren't strict in their films but they def i didn't see horror films until i was probably in middle school and even then it was like you know it, i feel like they started tame like it started with like the blair witch is one of those more early horror films that i remember like actually seeing and i was like 13 or 14 at that time and so but but now i now i'm so desensitized but i also really what i what another thing that you said is how you know you said you're you're not qualified it by any like uh like traditional way to like talk about these movies and and i and that's one reason why i really like your show is because you know it really hits home you don't need to go to film school you don't need to know be this absolute film snob to be able to talk about and have intelligent conversations about film. It's kind of what me and Brian really embrace about our show. And I think why, you know, that, that blueprint I was talking about with you is like, and, and helped inspire us. Cause we're like, Oh, we don't need to do that. And I, Brian, he, in, in school, like we were not film related in the slightest. I've taken two film classes. It was like a one Oh one and a one Oh two class. And the one Oh two was like journalism and I just took it because it was an easy A my senior year of college. And I just and, and and I just kind of uh we were supposed to make these little news segments and I said, Can I just make short films? And they said, Yeah, go for it. So I made short films, but I I was a bio major. I'm now in nursing school. My brother what he's in a uh, law school and he was I think like an international relations major. But we just loved film, and we just always had conversations about it. I met, like, I was a collegiate swimmer, D3, so nothing too crazy. But, you know, it was difficult, but I met a lot of my friends, and how we bonded was through talking about movies in the pool, like, in the midst of, you know, a really crappy set. Like, uh, I remember my one buddy, we turned, and we would talk about Whiplash in between in between uh, sets, and that's kind of the, the first... Uh, broaching of our of our friendship and he's been on the sh on the show it's jake shell he's been on a, a quite a few so I, it's just this love of film that i what i really love about your show and here and i just think it's interesting that you know there was a period of time where you kind of stepped back from film but then came back it, it's just kind of this everlasting allure of the, of the film and I, I mean I, i've talked to brian about this yeah, before uh, and um and I'm talking about Brian Thomas on on film strip. This is going to be confusing for everybody because I because your brother's name is Brian. But oh I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I he and I talk about it and like music is still big for him. He still plays and writes and like if I do anything musically, it's usually related to something Brian's doing. You know, and I'll I'll key in on it with him. But um, I film was kind of movies in particular were my first love. Like as far as the entertainment went, and I just kind of came back to him is what I said. Um, after you know having done music for a number of years, and um, I will cop to one thing. While Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street didn't frighten me, the original Shining like scared the absolute piss out of me as a kid. Um, so I will cop to the fact that some things got to me, but some didn't. And I, I lay a lot of that on um, the idea of the woman just melting in front of Jack and the music and the way Kubrick shoots stuff is just that that kicked me you know in the teeth early on in life. Um, but no, it's my first, again, it's my first entertainment love and I still like it. And I mean, I'll watch a lot of stuff that I'll never do a show on um, just because I just want to see it. And I'll watch, um, I do this with kind of all media and I, I encourage this with people too. Like, 
read stuff and watch stuff and listen to stuff that you know is not in your wheelhouse just so you can experience it. Because one, you may discover something you like that you didn't know you would like. And second, at least you understand where people who do really bat for something come from uh, with it. And I can give a good example of that. My wife went head over the cliff for the Twilight movies. All right. (laughs) Which is, if you know her, is funny because she is not like sentimental type of girl. That's not who she is. But something about those, and I think like I bought her one of them on DVD, and one uh, winter she had the flu and stayed home for a week and basically just watched it on loop and just got into it, like did the books, the whole bit, right? So we went and saw all of those in theaters. And normally I would be like, no, this is not something I want to you know participate in. But having watched them with her, who is such a fan of them, I got a different appreciation for it. And, you know, they're, they're, all, they're all pretty awful. Um, except for the second one, which I will bat for, is a, actually a good movie just by itself. Uh, I think it's called New Moon. But, uh, the, you know, they, they all have their, their moments. But for what they are, there's some interesting stuff going on there. And it was fun to experience that with somebody who, again, is a fan of it. You know, because, again, I see so much stuff, it's hard to find something I haven't seen. And it's cool to do something with people that, you know, again, are really into something. So I encourage people to do that all the time. And I mean, you know, the guys on the show have brought me stuff like that, too. I was a fan of the Alien movies, but not the way Nick is. And so to do a show, do those shows with him when he was such a super fan about it was a lot of fun for me because it gave me, I got to be the outsider's perspective, you know, and like the American Ninja movies and stuff. I think I'd seen some of those, but like Ron is like a super Golan Globus, like scholar of those things. And so anytime we get one of those, I know I'm in for a good ride with him because that's his thing. So I think the series we've picked through the years really do revolve around on, is it something I'm really passionate about and can I drag somebody else along with me? Or is this something these guys have talked about and now they, they really want to get into it? Like Star Wars is big for everybody in our crew in one way or another, but Kurt has a very interesting perspective on it. And so I did most of those with him and I think Nick joined us for the newer ones. But I wanted to do this with him because he had a different, he's a lot younger than me. He's a little closer to your age than me. So he would have a different perspective for these than I did because I grew up with the old Star Wars. You know, like I remember seeing Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi in theaters and all that kind of stuff. And so, and how big of a deal that was. And he grew up with, you know, the prequel trilogy. And so it was, that was what made that show fun. And that's what I enjoy about all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I just kind of had this, 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 uh, this thought just now you mentioned with, with, uh, you know, being, being a musician has being a musician kind of influenced like how you view films, especially with soundtracks. This wasn't part of the questions I had. It's just one of those things because I am not a musician and like I played in like sixth grade, <laughs> the cello because I wanted to play the electric bass, but they're like, Oh, you got to learn the basics on the cello. So I just kind of stuck it through for two years. And then they were like, and then I hit middle school and like, I'm like, okay, give me the electric bass. And like, okay, well you also need to play like the stand up bass. And I said, F no. Cause I, I was, <laughs> I was 12. I was, I had no appreciation for music. Sort of regret, regret that. But at the time I was like, yeah, I was involved in sports. I, you know, I was a kid. I didn't want to sit there and practice because a, a kid doesn't know that but brian on the other hand is a musician he plays the trombone he was in uh, the the i think the bass trombone in his jazz band at his school and all throughout high school middle school and and so and he has a different kind of appreciation for specifically like musicals or something like whiplash and i was just curious if, if you have those those moments as well when you're watching a film that is very 
heavy based in the music or the soundtrack is such an important part of it. Because I have a r- very rudimentary understanding of, of, of music and how the score works, but I mean, I feel like I can understand like the editing of it, but not so much like the composing of it and, and how it can relate to the, the mood and the story or like the nuance of that. Oh, I mean, it definitely gives me a different set of ears for music in a film, and particularly when it stands out and works well or doesn't work well, or when you incorporate like popular music to fit a certain thing, which a lot of the movies I grew up on in the 80s, that was a big chunk of it, was the soundtrack was just as important as the film through the 80s and sort of the mid-90s. And I should say, I'm not really a musician portrayed. Like, I can't read music at all, Mike. I play totally by ear. I, I was a guitar player and a bass player, and I learned how to play guitar because my dad and all my uncles played, and I just thought that was just something you did. And where I grew up in North Alabama is right across the river from Muscle Shoals with, you know, the big Muscle Shoals sound and all that, if you've seen any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of part of our culture. And so it was hard not grow up and want to play guitar because I bought the lie. Every other guy was told, like, you don't have to play guitar and the girls will come. And that was a damn lie. Uh, but, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, you know, they would as long as you played. <laughs> or maybe I wasn't any good. I don't know. But I played, I learned how to play guitar and I learned enough of it that I could hear what I was supposed to be playing and then I would just play it. You know, and I, I played by ear and I was much more interested, even at an early age, in playing my own stuff rather than trying to copy somebody's solo note for note. Like I could understand, like if I would learn somebody else's stuff, it would teach me how to rip it off and use it myself. But that was really my extent of trying to learn anything. I was more interested in trying to write songs and you know play music to them. And I was in two, you know, three or four different kinds of bands. I mean, I was in like grunge rock bands, and then I was in cover bands from the post grunge era, and then I had a country band for several years, which was a blast. And then and I wrote a lot of songs for. And then I was in a band that we actually put together a CD and you know all that stuff. And it's kind of this. Tom Petty meets old 97s Wilco kind of thing and that was a lot of fun you know and it but but I played just to to play and um, I'll never forget though a friend of mine was doing a film project in college and she asked me to like play for like background music in her thing and I had no idea what she was talking about and she didn't even have like the film done she just could kind of tell me like this scene is going to be this and this thing is going to be this and so I just sat down with my guitar and just kind of noodled around a little bit and she ended up using it I I don't know I saw it once and I thought well that's kind of cool but um, to go back to your question yeah I mean I think so if for nothing more than like um, I'm a big sucker for a good pop song and so pop songs have a structure to them and films have structure too and music can move scenes from you know place to place as much as dialogue can too and I, I challenge anybody if you can find like copies of your favorite movies that will like remove the background music watch those scenes and realize what you're watching is very not watchable because the music adds all the ambience to it um what you're watching actually is what more like real life is like. And that's not as interesting as you think it might be. So there's always a score, even like reality TV, there was always a score underneath it because you know, you got to have something in the background. And I mean, I think even early days, like they would turn the stereo up in the background. So there was something going on, but then, you know, the producers are smart. They're like, let's just add like a, a track underneath that. Just sort of subtle, just a little bit there makes all the difference in the world. And I think one of the first stories of that I ever heard was a John Carpenter, because I had a VHS that had an interview of Halloween with him on the end of it. And he talked about showing Halloween to an executive who told him this is the most boring thing I've ever seen in my life because it didn't have the score on it. He put the score on it. Two weeks later, she came back and watched it and said it was amazing. And I was like, what's that? that yeah, but, you know, honestly, if you pull the score out of that movie, it's a dude walking around in the dark and a bunch of kids talking on the phone. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's nothing going on, you know. But the, yeah, with, the, the music tells the story. Yeah. And with Halloween, I, I typically think of 
I mean, obviously Michael Myers and some of the kills, but I think of the score, like that that John Carpenter classic synth score. That's and like it puts you in there, and 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 this uh, this kind of you you mentioned with the filmmaking, um, or, or like doing the score for like a student film when and hopefully this can transition with when you were in college did you try and surround yourself around people that were film majors or like try and do anything with film because I feel like there's there's two routes that people go down when they're film enthusiasts they either try and make films uh, be it mostly very bad films I've been down that path or they go down the the critique route and in my mind I mean Brian has kind of dabbled in both, but he's definitely more of the writer, and I'm the visual guy. Uh, Jim Hemphill, we've had on the show. He's he's a he's an, he's a filmmaker, but I would classify him more as well. Critic isn't the right word. I think he self-identifies as an enthusiast because he doesn't like being negative about a lot of films because it's just such a it's like his escapism, and they mean so much to him. He tries to see a lot of positivity in them, which I think is awesome. But uh, so did you go down one specific route? Did you get involved with student filmmaking? Did you try and make your own films when you were in college, or were you just kind of swept away and just trying to, you know, pass? <laughs> well, well, I, yeah, I was doing a lot of stuff in college, and by the time I got to the end of college, uh, one of the classes I took as an elective to, to be able to finish for graduation was a script writing class. Because I was, as I said, I was a journalism minor, I was a communications major, and so I was doing like PR and stuff, but I took a script writing class because it would count as part of your journalism electives. And I thought, well, I mean, it only meant like half the year. And I thought, you know, Friday night, Saturday morning, sure. You know, I'll, I'll do this. Um, because I wanted to learn how to write scripts because I thought that was the thing. Like, I, honestly, like my dream job for years was to be a film producer. You know, and I didn't know, I didn't know what that meant or how to get to it. And we didn't have film at the you know, small little D2 school I went to. Uh, but I, there were a lot of people that were interested in that at, at the time. And so I, I got into you know, wanting to work around that and try to do some of it. And I learned enough about like, how to format scripts from writing journalism scripts that I knew it wasn't going to be too different. And so I got together with a group of people when I had started grad school. Um, actually, because I was in the same town, same school, and I was working full time, but I, I started grad school and I, I was obsessed with this idea of like, I want to make a 15 minute short horror film, you know, with some people. And a good example of you need music. I didn't have any music for this film. And it, it's one of the many reasons that this thing absolutely sucks. It's also because it was terrible. But I, I got I met I met a girl who was a she was a drama you know, queen in high school. And I mean, like actual you know theater person. And so she had this little short story that she had sketched out with some of her friends and she showed it to me. And I said, there's there's a, a, a movie in this. There's like a short film in this. She's like, well, OK, see what you can do. So I wrote a script to that. I cast all my friends that I knew. A couple of them had done drama, but some of them were just they were just funny and animated people that I thought could pull this off. And over a weekend, we shot this short film. And then a friend of mine who wor still works in like a video editing production and all that kind of stuff for a, a university. And he worked at our university at the time. His name's Mike. And I was in the band with him. He knew how to do all the editing stuff. So Mike and I sat down and edited this stuff together. And I was like on a deadline because I was trying to get it into a film uh, contest that my university started. And now they have a film festival there. Um, if you're familiar with the Andy Griffith show at all, that's way beyond your time, Mike. But if you, if you know the characters of that, the guy that played Goober is an alum of my university. Oh, wow. And okay. So he came back and established a film festival there before he died. 
and they still do it to this day. And in the first couple of years, I helped put it together because I was in, I was a PR major. The PR department was behind it. And so we had to do work on it. So I got involved in like exhibition and a little bit of writing and then trying to do my own film at the same time. And my own film was terrible, and it, but it was a fun experience because I didn't realize, you know, to have a 15 minute film, I had 15 hours of you know, stuff to do. I didn't realize how much you have to edit and cut. And I, it's where I really learned what that was about. It's when I got into understanding, oh, that's how movies are made. They're not shot in sequence. They're, you know, shot all over the place and you, you do what you can for places. And I mean, we had a lot of fun with it. And then I ended up writing a full script with a couple of guys who were trying to do local films in the North Alabama area. And it never went anywhere. But I, the exercise of having written the whole hundred page thing was neat for me. And it gave me a sense of trying to write something that had pacing and timing to it, but wasn't narrative like a book or anything. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I dabbled in a little bit of all of that, you know, and it, what it gave me was because at the time I'm still doing music real heavy, but that really is where film kind of came back into my life it was right there at the end of college and into grad school. And then by the time I was done with grad school and working, you know, the music career was sort of over music career in quotes and uh, was kind of done and I was you know doing what I do for a living now but I um I, I had really reintroduced and reinvigorated this fire for films and I, I think you're you describe Hemphill exactly right he's a film enthusiast and it, our show like film strip and the art of slaying and all the, even the football shows I was on and stuff like that have always been around a very simple premise that we are fans and we do a show like we're fans for other fans we're not experts and I think that it gives us a license to be able to not, you know, hit every like, well, that camera angle was a 45 degree, you know, and, and know all that kind of stuff. You know, the film grammar that people like John Jansen and, you know, really smart, you know, filmmakers know. And to be fans and talk about stuff that one we're passionate about, but also that other people can hook in and be passionate about, too. And so that's that's kind of my, my story of messing around with film and what I wanted to do with all of it. Mm -hmm. And I want to ask you, so was this, did you edit that film? Was it on film or was this like kind of the age when digital filmmaking started? It, it was on, it was head? on digital tape. So it was what they called digital okay. tape. And then we dumped it into whatever that we were using the university's equipment unbeknownst to them after hours. Um, so, so my, Michael had access to all of it. So we dumped it into whatever that was. And I think a very early version of, it's not after effects, but it's one of uh, Apple's like film editing tools. And this is back in the late nineties, early two thousands. So I can't remember the name of it now. But that's what we edited it with. And that's where I understood. It's, it's actually the first time I learned about like how to edit audio tracks in and out of stuff. And then years later when I worked with, with Arnie and, and now playing, he taught me how to use like Audacity and you know do all the, the cool stuff that they do. And I, I'll say, I, I wish my shows were as tightly edited as those shows are. I, I don't even try to do that anymore. <laughs> um, I just try to like get most of the noise out and, <laughs> and put the show yeah. out and make sure it's kind of synced up. But I, I learned about all that through that. And so, we, yeah, I, I edited it together on on, um, on a computer, but we shot it on a handheld cam with that had a tripod. Um, so, and I, I was I was proud of myself because we had like we were in a place where there were supposed to be some automatic doors closed, but we didn't have any automatic doors. So I rigged up fishing line and had people off camera pull them <laughs> closed real quick. I thought that was cool because I had an effect shot in, in, in my that's, movie with no sound. So. That's always the fun stuff. I mean, I've made a handful of short films by myself. Uh, we had a YouTube channel. Uh, or we still have it, and some of them are still on there. I took some of them down because I wanted to submit them to film festivals, but I didn't know how they were feeling about uh, 
the it being on YouTube, and it's it's not getting a lot of traffic. So I took a few of them down. My first ever short film that I made by myself is on there. Uh, it's awful in my opinion, but it's because I shot by myself. I shot on this like crappy little, eight, uh, this little camcorder, and and it's. And and I kind of, I like the idea. I mean, obviously you learn from all of your work. It's and that's why it's it's good to make like crappy short films. I was involved in a student thesis my freshman year for my buddy who he was a junior, but he was graduating early, so he was doing his thesis that year. And he was a communications major. It's funny because he, after he graduated, he was like a producer. They were grooming him. He was like traveling the world. Like I I, I went up for we have like a guys weekend every weekend in upstate New York. Um, for, uh, I think last episode of, of what am I missing? Uh, I talked about deliverance and my own deliverance story. And that's, this is the same guy who I, I, we went through these quote unquote rapids together, but I remember we went up to this guy's weekend and he was like, oh yeah, I'm going to London next week. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I'm just shooting B-roll. I'm like, shooting B-roll of what? He's like, I don't know, whatever I feel like it. And he was there for a week, but now he's left that behind. And now he's like a teacher in the, in the Bronx and I'm like, oh, okay. But we made it with him. It's awful. It's it's like not good, but it was just, it's a fun experience. It was just three guys. It was like my first time writing a script. And full disclosure, the script that I wrote, a lot of it wasn't used. And I think that's not, not to say I'm like a, a, a mastermind behind writing, but I think that might be a reason why the film didn't exactly work out some, some somewhat. But uh, I just, I, I, and I've come to realize that I do not like the writing process. I do not like the filming process because in your head, you kind of what you have the idea of what you want it to look like, and then you're filming it, and you're like, oh God, this is not what I'm envisioning. But I love the editing process. I love piecing things together and just being really meticulous and, and like color correct. Well, I don't know how to color correct, so I just add, you know, not, not filters, but I like making really dark, kind of like noir style images. I love shooting in black and white because of the, the, the contrasting images I can get and uh, and the same thing with photography but I absolutely love making short films I don't have the time to do it now just because of school I'm in a year accelerated nursing program so my life sucks but (laughs) but I absolutely love filmmaking and I and I made a lot of short films that I've shot segments for short films that didn't go anywhere for instance last uh I think it was last May or last April, right before I graduated college, I tried making a bare-knuckle boxing short film. And my brother, or Brian, he was in a fraternity. So I was like, well, I'm going to use your fraternity basement, this dark and dingy setting, and we're going to shoot this fight. So I co- me, my my buddy, my two buddies who were like bodybuilders, so they're really big dudes, we choreographed a fight. We had all the pledges of his fraternity come down, and they were the... They were the um, the audience and we just shot this fight and it was so much fun but it just it just sucks that because we my brother was supposed to be writing the script and then you know miscommunication we never finished it and then we graduated people went home so unfortunately I still have the footage but in the, the short film never went anywhere but I learned a lot because I tried making it in one solid continuous shot no cutting uh, very much like the Creed um, the Creed uh, one cut 
uh, Steadicam shot. I very much inspired it from there. And it was just a fun experience. I love making these short films. Uh, I'll I'll send a, a few of them to you when we're when we're off here, just so yeah. Well, if if I, you, you want to see them, the, the producer in my head is hearing you talk about you've got all this fight footage. I'm like, go find a local band that's got some slamming song and cut it to that and let it be their video. You know, I uh, <laughs> and and I've and I've made a I made a, a documentary my sophomore year about the uh, the swim team that I that I swam for. It just just like you know kind of it was fun. It was like an hour and a half, or I think it was 110 minutes, and it was just fun piecing it together, piecing footage from a year and just crafting a narrative, because in my head, I had this idea of what it was going to be, and then as I was editing, I'm like, no, that's, that idea scrapped, so it kind of made me become adaptable, and then last May, I actually was able to, I was commissioned to uh, film a high school musical, and... I had one camera and I and it was and I shot between two days and I made it work and I I put so much production I put opening credits in there I put closing credits I I shot I did sound mix uh, it was funny one person they so it was the Hunchback of Notre Dame and for two people for two of the main leads not um, Quasimodo but the the I forget the woman's name the the woman like the the gypsy woman like the love interest. They had two separate actresses play her on the two separate nights, and another side character. They had two different actors play him, and I was like, "Oh my god! I wish I had figured. I wish I had known that going into this." So I had to sound mix both people because I had to cut between the two angles. But I wanted each actor to have their own respective song, so I had to cut between that. It was just very. It, it it really forced me to be creative and 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 just trying to be fair to everyone involved. So it's I just love anything filmmaking and, and the editing process. So that's a little tangent that I wanted to to explore cool. about. I mean, but, like, uh, but yeah, no, I'll definitely send you those uh, the short films uh, off air, and and you can you can let me know what you think. I love getting the feedback. I will warn you though, they are a little odd, and very much inspired by like David Lynch and and just odd imagery. So. I, love, I, am, I, I just want I you to know that. I am not I, crazy. I, if if you're into odd stuff, you need to, and it's on YouTube now for free basically because there's no way to make money off this bad movie. If if you go back through the film strip archives, you heard us do like the room and this movie called After Last Season that I name dropped earlier or whatever. You need to go watch After Last Season because it's bad. Don't get me wrong, but there's like a genius behind it. And I, I'm the only person that thinks that, but I think based on what you just told me, you might dig it. And so I uh, think I think I know the film. I think I've I haven't seen it, but I it's like like there's no sets. It's like really weird. Like it's there's like, like shot some, in your grandmother's like extra like bedroom. Then like is machines made out of paper? <laughs> like there's a doc. There's like a, a doctor scene, and they're like in a living room, and yep. like the MR the MRI machine has like papered over it. Exactly. And there's like a ceiling fan in in the MRI room. You, you is have that got the film? it down. That is the movie. Okay. Yes. I I've, I have vicariously watched the film. Uh, by people making fun of it, but oh, you you got to watch it for yourself, like honestly, to experience it, and you need to watch it once, like by yourself, and then if you want to introduce it to people of like bad movie night, it's definitely good for that. But it, I think there's something there, but see, that's the kind of thing I enjoy is people that do things that are different. Again, because I tried to make a bad film once too, and you know failed miserably at it, and you know, I've seen it, and then the fact that these guys did it and got five million dollars to do it is just part of the story that blows my mind as to how it even came to be. But there's something there. It's it's a failure, but they were going for for something in it for sure, and uh, that's what's fun to sort of you know find every now and then and see because I spend so much time reviewing stuff that is readily available 
that I don't get to see as much stuff that is what I would call like experimental or different anymore. But I love it when people are into that kind of stuff because I dig stuff that I have no way of explaining. Like after last season for me was a plot summary writing white whale because they'll pull this, you know, behind the curtains here. I think 95% of the plot summaries of film strip I've had to write. And so I have to figure out how to summarize these things. And after last season was one that I was like, I don't know how to summarize this, you know, and people would tell me like, I, good luck doing that, you know, cause I would show it to them. And so I finally figured out a way to do it after all these years, but I, I find that to be fun. Like how would you summarize Southland tales? You know, cause that movie is bonkers, you know, <laughs> but, but it, I, I can't say that I haven't watched it more than once trying to pick it apart and figure it out. And I don't know that there is figuring it out, but um, I, I heard a, an interview recently with Richard Kelly talking about that and how he realizes he even knew like making it like people are not going to get this at all. And that 10 years later, they still don't get it. And if you ask most of the cast, they don't know what they were in. Like they had no idea what was happening. <laughs> so For thinking about uh, movies that are different and also so bad that I mean, I don't know if they're good. That's like up to the, the person watching it. There, uh, there's. Have you, are you aware of who Neil Breen is? I've heard that name because Ron's mentioned it before. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, his film. Like, so Red Letter Media has done a few of the Neil Breen films, and they're just like absurd and so odd. Uh, Your movie sucks has also done like uh, specific Neil Breen films. So that I think those are up your alley. If if you like. Uh, if you like those types of so bad they're good or just like it's just bonkers and just one more like before we get get off this tangent about really experimental films there's this film called Begotten and I I don't know if you're aware of of what Begotten is but it's like this really abstract def, like really emphasis on abstract black and white um it's a retelling of the book of Genesis, but it's like, let's say it's like if David Lynch decided to make an abstract film about the book of Genesis, like that's the only way I can describe it. I think it's on YouTube and uh, and I'll send it your way, <laughs> but it's such, it's like a disturbing film. Cause you like, don't understand what's really going on. It's like definition of your interpretation and having the context that it's the book of Genesis. You're like, okay, it adds a little bit of context, but like once you see it, like just look up uh, when, when, after this conversation, go on Google Images and type in "begotten" and just look at the first image, and you'll be like, "Oh my god!" Like that might scare you. Halloween no, no, might no, not I, scare you. As you're talking about it, I've got my phone up here. I looked it up, and I'm sitting there going, "Like, oh, I'm bookmarking that. That's going to get seen." So because I'm, I'm now permanently intrigued by something like that. So it's so odd, but that's kind of the last. Uh, I just I wanted to say that before we got off a tangent of just experimental filmmaking and 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 uh but it, it's that like that one i just wanted to give you that context like it's very odd but um but yeah so one of the things i i wanted to explore also was i, I feel like with podcasts the first episode is it's never the same it, it, or the the first podcast is not what your show will will be like a year from now two years from now four years from now whatever so i want to hear what, how do you think your the evolution of your show has become? So someone like for me, Brian and I have I feel like we've and we've said this many, many times, I feel like a broken record on our show. Like we're finally finding our groove and how to actually have these discussions. We've based it on 
you know, how Now Playing did it, how you have done it, how, you know, Dana Buckler had done it, how other people have done it, and now we're kind of coming into our own style. So I'm just very curious, how do you think your show has evolved from, you know, 2010 to now 2019? Well, I want to talk about both shows. I'll talk about The Art of Slaying and Filmstrip separately because they both have had different evolutions, but they've definitely evolved throughout the history of the show. And when Brian and I started Art of Slaying, we actually had a third person on it to begin with. We got a brand new person to come and be a part of that show. It's actually Ron's wife, um, who is... I met Ron through Holly because Holly's one of my oldest friends. And I thought, you know what? You would dig this. Have you ever watched Buffy? She's like, I saw the movie, but I never watched the show. I was like, watch the show with us, do the show. And she was like, Sure. So we recorded a few episodes and it was very clear she was not loving it and not not digging it and like was hanging on to like characters that Brian and I having seen this series like that person's going to die very soon. And so we just talked to her like, do you really want to you know, do this? She's like, no, this really isn't for me. And so we, we scrapped the whole thing. And then Brian and I decided to just do it together uh, to see if we could do it. And we recorded the whole first season of episodes before we released anything. And we put them out there and having gone through that. One thing we realized is that, well, okay, we need to like nail down the formula a little bit. And we worked on that some through season two of the reviews, but I felt like they were, they were getting too long. Like each episode was like an hour or more. And we were, we were just walking through the plot like we would a movie review on film strip. And we both decided we need to not do that. Let's, let's build a formula. So starting in season three of the reviews of the art of slaying, much like the Buffy show, we've sort of figured out what we were doing and we decided this whole show is about Buffy. So every episode we're going to, we're going to open up with, you know, we, we had had the formula down of like, we're going to talk about, you know, when, what the name of the show is, who wrote it, because that was a writer's show. So we wanted to kind of emphasize those. And then we were going to give a real quick, like five sentence plot summary, blow the whole thing and just then talk about it from the characters' perspectives. And that gave us a, a different rhythm from the other Buffy shows that we heard out there. Because every show we talked about what Buffy did, what Willow did, what Xander did, what Giles did, and then what the ancillary, you know, recurring people did in the show. And we had that little formula to go through. And even as the, the cast grew, we sort of just maintained to that strict formula. And, you know, by the time we got into season four and five and six, like we were burning through shows. Like he and I could record three at a time, where it used to be one show per one recording setting. So we got really fleet with that. On Filmstrip, the episodes that you can't download anymore <laughs> because we cut some of them out, um, I was still learning what I was doing. I had a co-host, Anna, who had left the show because her kids got older and she had too much to do and couldn't do it anymore. But she was the first person I got into doing this with me. And she's friends with another buddy of mine um, who he and I both uh, were fans of the same college football team and kind of hung out together and long story on a message board and, and met in real life. And so I met Anna and she was a big movie buff. And he had always told me like, you need to get together with my wife and do a podcast. So I, Anna was my original co-host. So we did like Ghostbusters and Caddyshack and all kinds of different stuff early on and so you know like if I were to go back and listen to it now I, I don't know that I would totally cringe at it um but I realized we didn't really know what we were doing either like we just kind of come out and intro and just start talking and um I added started adding a lot more structure to it like I I, I believe firmly from the get-go we had to have a plot summary um and I I didn't I didn't hear a lot of shows that were doing that at the time. I think most of my favorite movie podcasts kind of do that now. Um, but we started that early because I, I wanted to tell the story of the movie without 
you know, having to tell everything. And it took us a few years to get to that. Like if you listen to those alien movies, those plot summaries are long. And at the end of that series, Kurt, who is my sometimes co-host from Canada and our friend, John Jansen, who did the Hollywood saloon and Hollywood gauntlet and is just a film connoisseur and, and really a film grammar guy all the way worked in the business told us, he said, guys, you, re- you need to do the plot summaries for film strip the same way you do your Buffy show short, sweet, blow the ending and then get to it. And that changed everything for me, like in 2014 or so, on how to do that show. And so from then, it got to be, well, I only got to be a lot less, you know, stuff to have to write. So I'm always for that. And then, um, I don't know, just, it built a rhythm for the show. And I think the thing that that has changed the most for us is, obviously, we've gotten better at like sound quality and editing and stuff like that, though we probably spend less time editing them now than we did in the early days because one I surrounded myself with people on the show that I had rapport with and Brian and I had good rapport anyway because we had been on each other's blog talk radio sports shows back in the day and then when we started doing Buffy together we just had a rhythm down and good example of that you know we took over a year and a half off and we came back and our comeback episode is The Crow and that's one of Brian's big movies I had only you know seen it tangentially here and there didn't know really remember anything about it and barely had ever seen it and we went into that with just the same little note format as always and boom, hit it. And it was a pretty fast edit and it's an hour and 45 minute show, you know? And, you know, again, I surrounded myself with people I have good rhythm with and I kind of know what each person's perspective is going to be, at least, at least from the angle that they're going to attack the show from. Uh, and that's fun because we don't share notes ahead of time. Like I'll share with them sort of the basic outline of what we're going to do, but I don't know what, you know, Ron's notes are on any of the movies he's reviewed with me and, or anybody else's. And that's the, for me, that's the fun of it because I, I think I know what they're going to say about it, but I have no idea until we hit record. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So exactly. I think the, the the thing that's evolved the most is that we've just gotten kind of our formula down and our rhythm down. And there's there's two ways we do a movie review. There's one where we you know we kind of walk through the movie piece by piece, and that's the more traditional way. And it's probably the way I'm most comfortable with. And then there's ones that you could do that, but it, once you do the plot summary, there's really no reason to relive it. So we just talk about the stuff that occurred, and it can happen in any order. And who cares? Because we're you know we can talk about the last scene first, then we talk about the first scene, and you know whatever. It, as long as the discussion flows, and I think that's the thing that I've been you know proudest of with our show is that all the ones that we have out there now and the ones that we continue to do, we try to make sure there's, there's a rhythm flowing that it just sounds like guys sitting around talking about a movie, right? Good, bad, or indifferent. And we try to maintain to that. Cause again, that core philosophy of we're fans and we're doing this for other fans is what drives the whole push of the show. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that I've kind of been recognizing now, I've never done like um, improv comedy, but I feel like podcasting, especially when you're more than, just one person if it's two or more it's the thing with improv is once you get that that group of people you know how to interact with them you know how to build off of what they say you know when to not interrupt them you know when to let them continue or when you should interject and i feel like in the beginning of at least my show we were we were me and brian were having some issues figuring out when the other one was done, how to talk, have the, the confidence to talk. Because we started when we were like 18, 19 years old, so we didn't have that confidence that at, at least is building now. And I think that's what is really great about your show is that you know, like you have this rapport with these guys and these co-hosts that you know when, where someone's going, you know when to interject, you know 
uh, when to stay quiet and when to be when to be silent and let someone if they're just taking a breath for pause and then they're gonna let let them continue, and I I think that's ultimately with uh, what makes these podcasts really great is just being able to kind of do improv on the scene because you don't know what someone's gonna say and you want to respond to them and also because a big issue that I have not so much now but definitely in the beginning was the lots of fillers like uh okay ums but as you you know gain more confidence and and you know that and you're well confident that you know what you're talking about because I think in the beginning I I didn't know what I was co- talking about I actually we just yesterday Brian and I just revisited my favorite film in one of our first ever uh, first film reviews of Dawn of the Dead because I feel like that that conversation it remains one of the most popular downloaded but I feel like that that we could give that a much better discussion and so we did and we revisited it and I think the conversation's even better I mean people can revisit that and I say that in the episode but hopefully this new one it it's that uh we we have a lot more insight and it's more focused as opposed to just talking about random scenes in the movie we kind of talk about the themes and all that and I and I think that um that's kind of like most evolutions of, of really good shows. And with you, with Dana, with now playing with other film podcasts that I listen to that they really know how to jive with their co-hosts and, and, and it adds such more. Yeah. I just think it's so important. And I've, I've talked about this with, with Brian on my show before too, but being a guitar player in a two guitar player band, or when I was in the country band, I mean, we had two guitar players, a fiddle player, a keyboard player, you know, all these parts going around and knowing when to, come and be you know the front part of the mix or when to kind of lay back and accent informs the way my brain thinks about conversations I'm having with people in film uh, when we're doing a podcast you know so it works very much like people in a band together uh, you just learn how to kind of fill in each other's gaps and the other thing too man I mean like I said I've done 250 episodes of film strip and 140 something of the Buffy show I did a lot of damn podcasts man and uh, you just over over time it sort of naturally you you come together and figure out what you're doing or you change you know co-hosts and um, I've been fortunate that everybody I've ever had on the show even when you know Anna's no longer part of the show but she and I had a good just rhythm because we knew each other ahead of time though she and I had had were friends, and so we knew you know when we were talking to each other, we just kind of knew how it was going to go. The funny part is I didn't know Nick at all. I didn't know what he sounded like or anything <laughs> until we recorded that Blair Witch show together. He and I were on the same Fabish Factor film forum, which is still on Facebook, and Kurt's cool enough to let us kind of throw our shows out on it. And he and I would just get into you know back and forths on, in message threads. And I thought, well, the content's there, so this guy can spit it out of his mouth, you know, like that. And when I got him on the phone, I mean, he's got this cool, deep voice, and he's got that Wisconsin accent, and he's just, mm-hmm. and he's, he's just a real snarky, you know, kind of sense of humor, anyway. He's just a real smart ass, and that's what I love <laughs> about him. And so when I got him in, I was like, well, this is gonna be, you know, perfect. And so because I knew Brian, and he and I had a, you know, good, easy rapport. And then Nick came in, and then Kurt has Kurt's had a radio voice since he was fourteen, and he's still got one. And so I knew he had good stuff. Ron, I knew had good stuff because his writing is so good. Ron writes for Den of Geek in U.S. and U.K. sites, and has for years. And if you can write that way, you can you can talk. And so yeah. I, when I got him on, I was like, well, I know this is going to work, and I just let him do his stuff. A lot of what I do is I play the role of what I call point guard on the podcast. And I, I learned this from my sports shows and my sports broadcasting career that I had is that I will dish the topics like the point guard would the ball. You know, I'm, I'm not going to shoot every play. I want you to shoot. So I try to set those guys up to say things. And then in return, they just sort of pass the ball back and set me back up. And that's sort of how I've, I've structured the shows through the years, if that makes sense. 
Oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. And and so so we've been going for over an hour, and I and uh, I want to get into my final question for you because we've had an amazing conversation, but we still have to do part two about <laughs> uh about our, our which I think that's going to be an, another equally long episode. So I want to just do one final question. This has been awesome so far, and my final question is what would you say to anyone who wants to start a podcast, whether they be an 18-year-old kid who's just getting the podcast, like I found myself many years ago, or someone who's a little older and who has been a fan of podcasts for a while now, and they're thinking about doing this, but they, they don't know where to start. They don't have they, – they just need that, that uh, ignition to just push them forward. They need that final push. What would you say to someone who wants to start a podcast? I would say do do two things for yourself. One, write down on a piece of paper or on a you know, computer tablet or whatever, just a, a quick section of notes. Don't write a script completely out because nobody wants to listen to people read something. Um, they want it to feel like it, it sounds very natural. You know, when And a lot of times we are all reading it, but it's the delivery that matters. But sketch out what you want to say and then pull up your phone, hit the voice recorder, and just record yourself and listen back to it. Get over the shock of having to listen to yourself because if you're going to put out a podcast, you got to listen back to yourself and learn how to cut out all the ums and uhs or know when to leave them in because they're just part of the natural rhythm of conversation. But get used to listening to yourself. And the other thing I recommend doing is go on a podcast diet. Stop listening to other shows and think about what you want your show to sound like. Mm. And then just keep sort of voice recording yourself until you feel like I've got the rhythm down of what I want to do or maybe with the piece you're going to record with. And then, you know, buy a $20 mic and invest $20 in a Skype recorder and record a few things and, you know, go to a site like anchor.fm, which is where we release our podcast through now. They make it really easy for you to upload a show and send it out to the world and put it out there and just, just put yourself out there. Follow other podcasts on um, Twitter or on Facebook, or on Instagram, and I recommend following not your major podcast. Nothing that's wrong with those, but like if you follow like Now Playing and We Hate Movies and you know Slash Filmcast and stuff like that, those guys are cool. But they have thousands of followers, and they don't you know they're they're not always you know back and forth as much because they've got other things going on and they've got a bigger show. Follow smaller podcasts that are either just starting up or just getting out, and you know just tag each other and stuff all the time i mean i got into podcasting again because i met other podcasters and then i've met this whole community of friends through social media that's just in the podcast world so follow all that kind of stuff and whatever your topic is whether it's film sports you know horse racing whatever you're into and just follow other podcasts and reach out to people and ask them if they'll be on your show. I've gotten turned down probably, I don't know, 25 times from people I'd love to have on the show. But I've gotten a lot of yeses back from some very cool people. And it one, it made the sh my show's great. Uh, but it also gave us a, a new audience that you know found us that had no idea who we were. Because you, know, you, you just ask. You got no in your back pocket. But it starts with sketch out a couple of ideas, record yourself, get used to listening to yourself, and how you flow and what you do is you train your brain then to talk a way that you want it to sound like so you cut out all those natural fillers because you, you build the confidence with it and then I mean there's all kinds of ways you can edit the podcast nowadays um, I have you know my ways of doing it if you want to reach out to me on Twitter I am more than glad to tell you how I learned how to do it but it's not the only way to do it um, there's good tutorials on YouTube I think that's what's cool nowadays is that there's so many resources that will show you how to do this I always say be wary of anything that asks you to buy stuff because you you can do podcasting for about 25 bucks 
uh, really, and you can have a podcast. Now, you, you can do other things to make it, you know, sound this way or if you want to do all this other stuff, but you don't have to invest a ton of money into it, but you got to have an idea and you just got to get used to how you want to do it. But, you know, cut yourself off from the podcast you listen to so you're not over-influencing or uh, copying things that you don't even know you're doing and just find what you want to talk about and then put it out there. Yeah, and I agree 110% of everything you just said. And one thing that I think is interesting is that what you what you said is the podcasting diet and like cutting out podcasts because they will in, they they may influence your own show and kind of take away the originality that you might want to bring to the podcasting world. Uh, that is something that I did not do when I first started, and I I wish I kind of did that and that I was just trying to. It's it's like the am it's like amateur filmmakers that aren't as successful and like. Like after Reservoir Dogs came out, everyone wanted to make the gangster, uh, heist gone wrong film with with quote unquote witty dialogue, but they couldn't do it because they were just trying to copy. And I think that's what I tried doing when I first started. And I wish someone just told me, you know what, just cut out the movie podcast for or like listen to them, but don't like you can take inspiration, but don't get your ideas from them. Like try and figure out your own show and and then release it, and then you know steadily start adding them back in once you find your own groove. And, and, and learn from them, but don't copy them. So I think that that's a really, I, like I said, I agree 110% with everything you said, and especially that dieting podcast. It's, I, I think that's really great. So, Jay, I'm having a blast, and, I, and, I, and I'm so looking forward to our second part where we're going to talk more about in-depth films, recommendations. Like, this is where the film, like, the... Like this was, I feel like the appetizer, or the, yeah, the appetizer, and now the next course is is the entree. I'm I'm ready to talk about some films with you. So Jay, before we uh, we close out, where can uh, the audience find you on on social media or email or anything like that? Absolutely, you can you can follow the show at Filmstrip Pod on Twitter. Uh, our website is filmstrippodcast.com, and you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jay Skipworth, and uh, yeah, uh, that's the good way to keep up with the show. Uh, we have a Facebook page as well, so if you're on Facebook, you can search there and join in the show. And uh, that's that's how we uh, put the things out there. But subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast. Just look for Filmstrip Podcast, and uh, you know the latest two episodes are Leprechaun Returns and The Crow, and that's how you'll know you got the new feed and you're not tagging into the old feed that doesn't download anymore. Yeah, and, I, and I'm going to put those in the show notes of this of this, uh, of this this episode so people will be able to find it and streamline a little bit more. But, and one last thing I, know, I just guys, want to jump in and say, say, Mike, thanks again for having me on. I've had a blast talking about this. I, this is weird for me because I don't really like to talk about myself this much, so it's fun to be interviewed, <laughs> having been the interviewer for a number of years. But I've had a, a lot of fun talking about just podcasting in general and, and how all this started. And uh, I, I think it's fun to still be talking about a podcast that I started all these years ago with my friends that I would have never thought we'd still be doing this you know and we've we've taken breaks and the fact that we're still doing it and people still want to hear it is a lot of fun and it's definitely very surreal to be talking with you because i still remember you know in the summer of 2014 it was hot as hell you know 90s in southern maryland riding this this big lawnmower on this big ass farm and you know listening to you talk and it's it's definitely surreal little starstruck not gonna lie but it's it's been awesome learning more about you and your show and i i'm definitely learning a lot but with that guys that concludes this episode episode of amateur all tours you can follow us on twitter at all tours pod or email us with any questions comments or concerns at the amateur all tours podcast at gmail.com and as always we'll see you next time Thank you for listening to this episode of Amateur All Tours. Cover design was created by Sarah Jacobs. You can find more of her work at our own site and Instagram, Digital Adventures. 
Opening and closing theme, Dreams, was created by Joachim Karid, which was found using a Creative Commons search. As a small plug, go check out both Joachim's and Sarah's work. They really deserve it. All content discussed and shown is the property of their respective owners and is used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We are working hard to bring you all new content and episodes. So thank you again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.